Thank you, ladies. Great song, great thought, good job. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, if you don't have a Bible with you, there'll be one near you. We'll be on page 794, John chapter 14. I uh, appreciate our singers picking the kind of music they pick. Um, the church is not supposed to sound like the world. I, I don't understand how people don't get the basic concept that uh, the world, you can gripe about it getting worse and worse and how wicked it is out there, out of one side of your mouth and then out of the other side of your mouth, uh, want to sound just like it. There's something wrong there. And I appreciate that song, the thought, and uh, I think that echoes not just my heart, but the heart of many of you here today. We want our life to bring glory to Christ. Amen. We have now for quite some time uh, been on Sunday mornings talking about things that Jesus exclusively said to his disciples. Sometimes he spoke to lost people exclusively. Most of the time he spoke to a crowd that was a mixture of his disciples and those who did not yet believe. But on occasion, he spoke uh, just to his disciples. Uh, people who believed on him, people who wanted to learn of him. The word disciple actually simply means learner. And no one will ever fully understand the life of Jesus if you think that he spent all of his time trying to get unsaved people to believe. That was his purpose. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to die for the sins of the world. And he did spend some time trying to reach people. But he also spent some of his time trying to help his disciples, to teach them. Teach them how to live. Teach them how to prepare for eternity. And I think one of the reasons you're here uh, this morning is you uh, would like to know what Jesus taught his disciples. Amen. I know I would. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is what the book of Hebrews says. And so, whatever it is Jesus said at that time to his disciples, you can bet that under similar circumstances, he would say the same thing uh, today. Last week, we talked about Jesus telling his disciples they'd do great things because of his intercession in heaven for them and because of the Holy Spirit living in them. And we spent talking, time talking about what Jesus actually meant when he told them that they would do greater things than uh, he did because he went to his Father, we were encouraged and we were reminded that by grace, all true believers in Jesus can do something that God would consider great. And if you remember then, we spent some time uh, talking about how it is a great thing in God's sight to continue to love him despite the temptations and difficulties we might face in life. We talked about it being a great thing in God's sight to be part of some combined effort for spiritual work in our world. We talked about how it is a great thing in God's sight to choose to have a positive impact on the people around us uh, in their life. And though most of us will likely not do anything this world would consider great, uh, all of us who know Jesus Christ who believe on Him, can by His grace do something God would be considered uh, great. Uh, as we get to our thought today, there are few words that are more twisted in our culture and more powerful uh, than the word love. It is a powerful word for good when it is used rightly. It is a powerful word for evil when used deceitfully. And though love includes a feeling at times, real love is much more than a feeling. 
In fact, I would say to you this morning, if what you call love only impacts what you do when you feel love, what I would say is that you don't yet love deeply or you don't really love at all. Uh, Love is an action word. And few phrases are thrown around more in Christian circles and by Christian people than the phrase, I love the Lord, or they love the Lord. See, people talk about loving God, but they rarely think very deeply about what that means. You see, believing in the Lord and loving the Lord are two different things. Hear me when I say it is impossible to truly love Jesus if you have not yet received Him as Savior and believed on Him as Savior. But it is entirely possible and regularly happens for people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ but not yet love Him. And though this may sound harsher than I intend it to be, as we consider what the Scriptures teach, there are far fewer believers who love the Lord than we'd like to think. My hope for every single person here today is that you would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved and that you would grow to love Him. 38 years ago, plus a little, my wife and I were married. I was 24, she was 23. I guess 22, almost 23. And I loved her then. But after 38 years of all the ups and downs of life, I love her more today than then. And our love for Christ should be the same way. Are you a believer who loves Jesus? What does it mean to love Jesus Christ? Do you love Him more today than you did five years ago? I get it. It's filled with, uh, songs are filled with it. People's vocabulary is filled with it. What does it mean? What did Jesus exclusively say to His disciples? If you would stand this morning, please, if you're able to stand and honor the Word of God, the title of my thought for this morning is, If ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, Keep my commandments. Should be in your Bible in John chapter 14. We begin reading together in verse 15. Uh, The Bible says here, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even a spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him. For He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Thank you. You might be seated. As most of you, if you've been around for much of this 
uh, series on Sunday mornings, you know by now that John chapter 14 through 16 records private conversation between Jesus and the 11 true apostles. It is the record of Jesus exclusively teaching His disciples on their last night together. Now, they didn't know it would be their last night together. They had no idea that in just a few short hours they would watch this individual for whom they had given up everything, for whom they had endured the mockery of family and friends and society, for whom they had been excluded from their synagogue for confessing that Jesus was Christ. They would, in a few short hours, watch Him be brutally beat suffer terribly, be nailed to a Roman cross, and die there. They had no idea. But Jesus knew. And so in His last conversation with them, He was preparing them for something they didn't know was in their future. In fact, He spent a lot of time in John 14, 15, and 16 teaching them about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see, they were troubled when He told them that He was going away and they could not then come with Him. And so He tried to comfort them. He tried to prepare them by describing the ministry of the Holy Spirit that would change significantly when He returned to His Father. Notice in verse 16, Christ would permanently give them the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, when He returned to His Father. Verse 16, I will pray the Father. He shall give you another Comforter. See, He was their comforter until then. That He may abide with you forever. Their Holy Spirit would be a permanent resident in them. He would abide with them forever. Notice He then tells them that Christ, the Holy Spirit's ministry would soon change from Him being with them to Him being in them. In verse 17, says, even the Spirit of truth. By the way, some segments of Islam say that the comforter from verse 16 is Muhammad. Uh, if you read verse, six, verse 17, it's pretty obvious that the comforter is not Muhammad. It is the spirit of truth. <laughs> he says, even the spirit of truth in verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Here it is. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And so if you're a believer today in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. And up to that point in Christ's ministry, the Spirit was with them, but now dwells in believers. And notice, Jesus equates the Holy Spirit to Himself in verse 18. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. By the way, that's a really strong statement. A lot of people don't like the idea that our Creator has revealed Himself to mankind as a triune being, as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A lot of people, they don't like that doctrine. They reject that doctrine. But here, Jesus personally equates Himself with the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit isn't simply the power of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And in verses 16 and 17 that we just read together five separate times, he is called a he or a him. Yep. Now in this last conversation with them, Jesus also on three occasions spoke directly about evidence of their love for him. Uh, ever known a child to say, I didn't eat the cookie and they got chocolate around their mouth? 
If you like to watch crime shows, I think we're pretty familiar with the fact that there's evidence left on a crime scene if something happens. Please hear me when I say what Jesus is about to teach His disciples and to teach you and I this morning is that when any of His disciples genuinely love Him, there's evidence of that being true. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. By the way, there's evidence when someone is a true believer. It is impossible for the Holy Spirit, God Himself, to live in a human being and that not give any evidence. A true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has a heart that has been changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm not arguing that every believer changes to the same degree, but every true believer has been changed. In 1 John, it talks about any true believer, evidence of your belief is love for the brethren. We could spend a whole message on that. I will just say this, is if you say you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and there is no evidence of that in your life, something is wrong. And just like there is evidence in the life of a human being in whom Christ truly dwells, there is evidence in the life of a believer who loves Jesus. We read verse 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. I think we all understand that saying we love someone is easy. Now to some here who are not Bible readers, that statement probably catches you a little bit off guard. Because if you're not a Bible reader and you don't really uh, have never been in a Bible preaching, Bible teaching church, you probably in your mind equate believing on the Lord Jesus with loving the Lord Jesus. But here to His disciples who already believed on Him, He makes sure they understand that the evidence of their love for Him would be in them keeping His commandments. In fact, this is such an important evidence of genuine love for Christ, he repeats himself here at the same conversation three times. Notice the second one we read earlier in verse 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Notice in verse 23 that we did not read earlier, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. This is such an important principle that Jesus not only taught this to His disciples, but He spoke about how He demonstrated this Himself in His own life. Look at verse 31. He says, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Notice Jesus demonstrated His love for His Father by His obedience to His Father. See, Jesus didn't just say He loved God His Father. He demonstrated His love for God His Father by obeying His Father's commandments. Hear me when I say true love is always an action word of some sort. It is more than just a feeling, though it does include a feeling at times. 
I hope you understand this morning that obeying Christ is more than just the snapshot we see of people's lives in the hour or so we assemble together. Amen. See, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that if someone doesn't demonstrate their love the way we demonstrate our love, they therefore do not love. That's wrong. By the way, I hope you're someone who's a reader. I hope first and foremost you read the Bible. But I hope also that you will be someone who becomes a reader of good books. We've got a lot of them in our bookstore. One of the books that's in there that's a great practical help is a book called The Five Languages of Love. And at the root of that book is this whole idea that a lot of people haven't really grasped that not all of us who love express that love the same way. And sometimes we will find ourselves guilty of thinking that someone or our spouse or our children or our family or our friends or someone in the church that they don't love us because we don't, they don't express that the same way we do. In that book, it talks about love being demonstrated by words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch. And it simply reminds us that there are a lot of different ways we're wired and different ways we both express and like to receive love. And by the way, it's not our subject this morning, but uh, some here, you would appreciate your spouse and family and friends more if you simply come to recognize they don't always express or receive love the same way you do. But hear me when I say this. If our true love for people is expressed in different ways, it only makes sense that our love for God would also be expressed in different ways. But Jesus Christ Himself makes clear that all of the true expression of love for Him is funneled through our obedience to His commandments, our keeping of His commandments. Now, you might think that is pretty tough talk. By the way, some of the Bible is difficult to understand. It's meat of the Word. Other parts of the Bible are meat of the Word because they're not difficult to understand. They're hard to practice. And this is me to the Word, not because it's difficult to understand, but when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, that's tough talk to most of us. Amen. You see, those who truly love Jesus keep His commandments. No, I don't know what goes through your mind when... Uh, you read something like that. You know, I know not everybody is wired uh, like me. You, you know, when my mom would tell me uh, to do something, my first question is why? And then whack across the face. I'm not saying that that's the best way to answer that question because I said so. Uh, you, you know what? That works for some kids, but it doesn't work for me. Uh, I, I'm someone who always has a lot of questions, and when I understand something, it really changes how I respond to it. And so read this, this statement, and, and it generates a lot of questions. It generates questions because I know that Jesus taught the greatest commandment in the Bible to be to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and with all of our strength. It, it 
stirs my heart to wonder what's going on here because as a disciple of Jesus, as a believer in, in Jesus, I can honestly say to you this morning, I want to love Jesus. I really want to love Him. And by the way, if you are somebody who says you're a believer in Jesus and you have no desire uh, to, to love Him, you're probably not really a believer in Jesus. And so it just generates questions in my mind. I mean, what does it mean to keep? If you love me, keep my commandments. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. If any man love me, he will keep my words. What does keep mean? Or what did Jesus command? I mean, those are pretty good questions, at least in my mind. Now, we could spend weeks on the subject because Jesus' commandments address every area of our life in some way. His commandments touch on our relationship with God. They touch on the spiritual realm. We're to love God. We're, we're to keep His commandments. We're to pray. We're to read His Word. His commandments touch on our relationships in our home. We have roles that were designed for us as husbands and wives and parents and children. His commandments touch on our morality. He taught us to be morally pure prior to marriage and morally exclusive after marriage. His commandments touch on the value of life, whether that human life is still in the womb of its mother or whether that human life has no value at this point to society. There's a value of human life that is commanded in the Word of God. His commandments touch on our relationship with one of His churches. It's sad to me that in American Christianity today, some people aren't even aware Jesus gave commandments other than love one another. By the way, we should love one another. <laughs> we spent a whole lesson on that a couple of weeks ago. But according to Jesus, believers who love Him keep His commandments. To keep is more than just obey. To keep is to obey, but also highly value, to guard, to hold fast. Jesus obeyed in verse 31 to demonstrate his love. But you see, Jesus, <laughs> he was different from us in that He didn't ever struggle to highly value as He obeyed. But you and I as people, we can obey, but not highly value and keep. You know, there's a keeper who keeps... If I was at the zoo and I was a keeper, I'd like to keep the walrus. I mean, that, that's a cool animal to me. But that's the person who guards, protects, cares for, makes sure is all right. To keep is more than obey. You see, the first step for you after becoming a Christian is to learn what Christ commanded. And the next step after you learn what He's commanded is to obey what He's commanded. But it doesn't stop there because then He says, listen, I want you to keep. I want you to highly value. I want you to respect. I want you to make sure you exalt 
my commandments while you obey them. Let me ask you this morning, do you obey the commandments of Jesus? If so, have you grown to where you value and guard what He has commanded so you keep them? According to Jesus, that is the true evidence of our love for Him. Now, I know some of the things Jesus said are more important than others, but believers who are keeping His commandments value everything He said. Do you value everything He said from Genesis to Revelation? I mean, some of the things Jesus said, He said through the pen of Moses. Other things he said, he, he said to us through the pen of the prophets. Some of the things He said to us, He said through His own mouth physically when He was here physically to when He came to die for our sins. Some of the things that Jesus had to say, He said through His Spirit, through the apostles and the authors in the New Testament. Do you value? Do you obey? Do you understand? Do you highly regard what Jesus commanded? I know, I know. Some aspects of the Christian life are more important than others. But those who keep His commandments value everything He seeks. And so what I'd like to do this morning is make some observations and applications of Jesus telling His disciples that if they love Him, to keep His commandments. Turn back a few pages first just to John chapter 3. To John chapter 3. Here's the first observation. Number one, no one gets saved because they love God or keep the commandments of God. A man who was keeping the commandments of God was a man named Nicodemus, and he comes to Jesus by night. And in verse 3 of John chapter 3, Jesus says unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, uh, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus uh, saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that's his natural birth, of his mother, and of the Spirit, that's his second birth, the new birth, uh, says he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that's the first birth of water. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's the second birth. Here's a command. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Amen. See, people live forever and they're forgiven because they're born again. Born from above. Born of God. Uh, it's something we must do. In fact, if you're not born again, Jesus said you won't see the kingdom of God. Now hear me when I say, you don't need to know the terminology to be saved. You don't even need to understand the terminology to be saved. But you do need to have the salvation experience to be saved. Amen. You see, being born again, we read how it is born of the Spirit. The new birth process begins by the Spirit of God convicting a sinner of their sins. By the way, that's how you know when you're talking to a child whether they're actually ready to be saved or not. Have they been convicted for their sins? That is the work of the Spirit. It continues then when some sinner who's been convicted for their sins and their guilt before God comes to recognize that Jesus Christ paid for their sins on the cross. He died for their sins and He rose again from the dead. And then you accept that. See, true believers have a natural birth, water of their mother, and a spiritual birth, new life from the Holy Spirit. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? 
Being born again is not baptism. I, I can't tell you how many hundreds of times that I've knocked on someone's door and asked them if they'll go to heaven when they died. And they said something like, well, I was baptized at such and so a place. Or I was baptized at such and such a date. Listen, baptism never saved anyone. Say, so what does it mean to be born again? In fact, we're specifically told. Go back a few pages to John chapter 1. In John chapter 1 and verse 11, says, He that Jesus came unto His own, that's the Jews, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So what's going to happen if you receive Christ? And believe on His name, verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How do you get born of God? You receive and believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Be born again. Now, people always flippantly throw the phrase around, I love God, but it is never thrown around more flippantly than when thrown around by someone who's trusting their religion or their good works for eternal life. Trusting Christ gives you eternal life. Father, if you're here and you're not saved, today's a good day to be saved. This church, no church can save you. Me, or a priest, or a cardinal, or any other bird you can name, in addition to the Pope, uh, cannot save you. Jesus Christ is the Savior. And today's a good day to receive Him. Secondly, if you go back in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Now I'm told there are 1,050 commandments in the New Testament. Uh, I've never counted them. To be honest with you, my problem has never been the commandments of the New Testament I don't know. My problem has always been the commandments I'm aware of and don't keep. Or keep, but don't keep them with all my heart. See, not only no one gets saved because they love God or keep the commandments of Christ. Secondly, Jesus has more commands for His disciples than for them to love one another. And we could spend weeks and weeks on this, um, but Jesus said some things while He was here. And let me ask you, do you obey these? Do you highly value and guard them? And I purposely picked some things that cover a pretty wide spectrum. Because just like when it comes to love for people, we, we like to think that someone doesn't love if they don't love like we love, if they don't express it like we do. We tend to think when it comes to God that if people don't value the part of His commandments that we value, and do best at, then therefore they don't love God like we do. And so what I did is I picked a wide spectrum of commandments. Notice, uh, end your disputes before someone else has to. Matthew 5.25 says, Agree quickly with thine adversary, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, thou be cast into into prison. Uh, Notice, we're commanded to end your disputes quickly. Uh, There's probably people in here, you're mad for something somebody did two weeks ago. There's probably people in here, you're mad about something somebody did two years ago. How about do more than the minimum? Matthew 5.40 If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him take away thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, here's a command, go with him too. Do more than the minimum. Listen, most all of us are pretty happy to do the least we can do. 
I mean, ever have somebody, uh, they ask you to do something, you say, well, that's the least I can do. That's one of our most affectionate things. Yeah, I'd like to do as little as possible. Well, according to Jesus, you're supposed to do more than the minimum. Uh, by the way, that's His command. How, how about this? How about pray simply and privately rather than to impress others? Look at Matthew 6, verse 5. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. Matthew 6, 5. Uh, for they love to pray uh, in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, uh, they have their reward. Notice he doesn't say if thou prayest. He says when. In fact, Verse 6, same thing. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in se- seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That's not a condemnation of public prayer because that's in the Bible sometimes too. But understand, our most effective prayer is not public. Amen. Jesus commanded your private prayer. How about prioritizing heavenly rewards instead of earthly treasure. Look at verse 19 of Matthew 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. You notice it's a command. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Let me ask you this. Do you care more about your 401k or your heavenly account? Which one gets the most of your heart? commandment of Jesus. How about this one? Look at Matthew 7, verse 15. By the way, this is not brain surgery. The average disciple of Jesus, they could care less what he commanded. I don't want to be like that. Notice what he says in Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. That's a command. Now, there's a lot of Christians, they think, hey, if he's got uh, sheep's clothing on, if they say they're a sheep, I'm going to hear what they have to say. Uh, Jesus said, beware. Amen. Uh, here's a good one. Turn up to Matthew 18. But, by the way, every commandment of Jesus matters. Can I just say out loud what you think and I do? There's some commandments of Jesus I like better than others. Um, but they're all true. <laughs> it don't matter whether I like them or you like them. Uh, here's one I don't like, but it's a command of Christ. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Uh, Matthew 18, 21. Then uh, Peter came to him, to Jesus, said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. There's a commandment that doesn't sit well. Forgive people who sin against us and keep forgiving them. Man, I, I can't imagine what kind of work the Holy Spirit would do in the congregation of Bible Baptist Church if He was not so hindered by the lack of forgiveness by the people sitting in these chairs. How about this one? Matthew 23. Here Jesus teaches, keep the most important things most important, but don't neglect smaller things. See, there's some people, they've got it right. They've prioritized what's most important. So then they say, well, these little things don't matter. That's not what Jesus taught. Notice in Matthew 23, 23. It says, woe unto you, Matthew 23, 23, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, those are garden spices, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Now notice according to Jesus, what are the weightier matters of the law? Judgment, mercy, and faith. He says, these ought you to have done. In other words, yeah, it's a good thing for you to tithe your mint and anise and cumin. Uh, he said, uh, but, he says, these ought you to have done to keep the weightier matters the weightier matters and not leave the other undone. He said, don't leave off giving your increase to God on the smaller things you do. Do you see the principle? Keep the main things the main things, but don't neglect the small things. Amen. <laughs> I've heard people say Jesus didn't teach tithing. I think to myself, you just think that because you didn't want to tithe. <laughs> By the way, for anybody who knows anything about grace, then you understand that living under grace, we always do more than any Old Testament Jew living under law. <laughs> I'm under grace. I'll tithe your mint and anise and cumin, according to Jesus. But keep the weightier matters the weightier matters. <laughs> Go up to First Peter. I've got a whole big list of commandments. I don't know why I put so many on there. I knew I'd never get them done. Amen. I hope you understand, sometimes when I'm preparing messages, part of what I'm preparing is for me. And then, hopefully, by the grace of God, by the time I speak it to you, I've sorted out the things that were specifically for me to bring to you the things Christ wants you to hear. Those were commandments while Jesus was here. By the way, if you obey these commandments from Christ Himself, good. But those who love the Lord not only obey them, they value and guard those things as well. Do you? See, after Jesus returned to heaven, He continued to command His disciples by His Spirit, do you obey these? Do you highly value them? How about this one in Peter, 1 Peter 1, 15? It says, but as He which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. By the way, that's a Bible process. Amen. He establishes a Bible principle taking literally the Old Testament. God says, be holy, for I am holy. And He takes that literal Old Testament statement and He applies it to New Testament Christians. And He tells them and He commands them to be holy in all manner of conversation. All the way we talk, all the way we behave, it ought to be holy. Go up to chapter 5 of First Peter. And again, what, what I'm trying to get through to everybody here is that there is a great variety of areas of life the commandments of Christ impact us. I mean, some people act like Christ's only commandment is love one another. Other people act like Christ's only commandment is go ye therefore and, and, and teach all nations. And, and listen, that's not the way Christ is. There are a wide variety of things he's asked from his disciples. Uh, how, how about this? First Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, giveth grace to the humble. How about that commandment? Subject to one to another and clothed with humility. How about just verse 8? 
Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Did you see those two commands? Be sober. Be vigilant. I'll just read what I have right here, word for word, from my notes. It says, in contrast to modern Christianity, promoting the use of alcohol at their events, we're commanded seven times in the New Testament to be sober, to be in our right mind, to have our thinking unimpaired by a substance. Just in case you thought I'd put that in there because you're here. See, Christ knew who was going to be here. I had no idea. Is it not a crying shame with seven New Testament commandments to be sober that places that call themselves churches put people under the influence of alcohol? That's as ungodly as the devil himself. If you obey these commandments from Christ by His Spirit in the New Testament, good. But those who love the Lord not only obey them, they highly value and guard them as important as disciples. Which gets us to our last thing, and it's literally just a couple of statements. Number three, all of us have areas of Jesus' commandments that are easier for us to obey and value than others. There's some here it's very natural for you to forgive. Others here it's very natural for you to go with the gospel. Some here, it's very natural uh, for you to be sober. Others, for, for you, it's very natural for you to be clothed with humility. And what I'm just here to say to, to you is the commandments of Christ don't stop with the areas of His commandments that are easiest for each of us by virtue of our personality and disposition. They all matter. Amen. In fact, have you ever thought about this? Do you remember the greatest commandment in the Bible? Uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy might. Amen. You see, love for God, just like our love for Christ in that wide spectrum of commandments, just like our people's love is the way it is and expressed differently, uh, love for God is expressed by our heart, our emotion. Love for God is expressed by our mind, what we think and believe. Love for God is expressed by our soul, our life, our personhood. Love for God is expressed with our might, our strength, our deeds. And what we need to do as followers of Christ is A, identify His commandments, and B, just decide that I'm not going to stop with obeying the ones that are easy for me. You might find it easy to be separate and difficult to love those who are different from you. They're both commandments. And as we grow in grace, if you're a believer and growing in grace, what's going to happen is that over time, just like my love for my wife and your love for your wife or husband, assuming you have a good relationship. <laughs> As you spend time together, you get to know one another. Listen, on nine times out of ten, I could tell you what she's going to order at a restaurant. Five times out of ten, we actually accidentally order the same thing. Say, why? We spend a lot of time together. Amen. We really know each other. 
And what that does, whether that's your spouse or somebody in your life, or whether that's God, it opens the door to love more deeply. I love the song we sing here, I love you, Lord. I love that song. But I wonder if we really think through what it means. See, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. But a believer who loves the Lord doesn't just say it. It comes out in their life. Not just in obedience, in something higher. To keep, to value, to guard, to esteem the commandments of Christ. This book. You know, one of the most meaningful times in my life, and it was 38 years ago, as I remember, we were in a small church in Chesswood in the Corrine area where my wife was saved, and we were new Christians, and we were singing, and I remember looking over, and she was holding her Bible like this. If you love Christ, nobody has to stay on your back to do what you're supposed to do. It's not necessary. Because you're doing like those ladies sang about. You know what? I want my life to bring glory to Jesus. I would rather die than have my life dishonor my Savior or my family. I've asked God to take my life before that ever happens. By the way, if I die suddenly, you knew I was just getting ready to fail. <laughs> Jesus said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. If you quietly stand.